0: Welcome to the Breakthrough Podcast. I'm J. Paul Freidenmaker, and I am amazed by all you folks who do fundraising, inviting generous people to resource causes all over the world. In the Breakthrough Podcast, we interview high net worth givers globally to listen and learn about how we as fundraisers can do our best work in inviting people to the party. Thank you for listening in. All right, our guest today is Greg Baumer. Greg and his wife, Allison, reside in Nashville, Tennessee, with their children, Grant, Leah, Marshall, and Maya. And Greg and Allison have chosen to dedicate this episode to one of their favorite nonprofit causes, Corner to Corner, in Nashville. And I'm excited for you all to hear more about Corner to Corner in our upcoming conversation Greg is a native of Indianapolis. He grew up attending Indiana Hoosier basketball games and working with his dad every Saturday in the family business. You want to hang out with Greg, you might be taking in an Arsenal soccer match, discussing science fiction, or maybe settling in for a long winter's night and nerding out on Bible research. I love it. Let's get our etymology radars glowing, Greg. That would be a lot of fun. It was uh, while taking a course at Harvard Divinity School that is called God and Money that Greg began to think deeply about the intersection of faith and finance. Greg is currently working on a number of startups in the healthcare space. Before that, he was the chief growth officer at a startup in Nashville, which was acquired in 2020. So he's got a passion for generosity. He's a co-author with our buddy John Cortinez. Of the book God and Money, How We Discovered True Riches at Harvard Business School. And then another book more recently called True Riches What Jesus Really Said About Money and Your Heart. He chairs the board of Generous Giving. He also serves on the boards of Bible Project and the Signatories Nashville chapter. So Todd and I have got our work cut out. Greg is a smart cookie, he holds degrees from Indiana University and Harvard Business School. We love you, Greg. We're looking forward to talking with you. Okay, Todd, um, it is Friday night. It's been a long, hard week. Uh, We're going to hit our favorite karaoke bar. Ooh, dang. Which I've, I've heard that you are sneaky good. I, I do like me to... some karaoke. Okay. I Yeah. Yeah. It was a good guess. Yeah. Um, so here's my question. What is your go-to song? Ooh. Okay. Now, I, I'll tell you mine. Okay. What's yours? Now, now, part of it is I'm in a mood right now. Okay. Well, it's kind of a seasonal mood. So Earth, Wind, and Fire, I think um, Groove. Would be my song. Let's groove tonight. I would get up there. I would crush it. See,
1: I i I like Jerry Lewis, so I can go plenty of songs there. But right now, my jam is. Jerry Lewis in the News? Huey. I said Jerry Lewis, didn't I? You did. I I wasn't going
0: to say anything (laughs) about (laughs) that.
1: (laughs) Jerry Lewis would be a definitely different (laughs) karaoke. Jerry
0: Lewis in the News. A fun um, podcast. You heard it here first. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> well, listen, uh, sure. Todd, good to be with you again. <laughs> and we are excited to have a good friend, a relatively new friend of mine, an old friend of yours. Yeah. Greg Bomber is with us. Greg, welcome to the podcast. Guys, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Glad to have you, man. Absolutely. What is your go-to karaoke?
2: The song that I, if I do need to sing in public, then the attendance at the bar will decline.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I have
2: to be cautious about that. I do um, right. prefer singing the Indiana University Fight Song. Uh, you, can okay. usually, you can usually oh, get okay. some, some fellow Hoosiers to Not shout West with you. Lafayette Uh, Especially in West Lafayette, (laughs) Uh,
0: it's one of the ways I make friends and influence people. Uh, I love it. You kind of strike me as a a buble kind of a guy. Like, I think you could lip sync buble and pull it It, off. Those smooth (laughs) melodies just flow off my tongue. That's right. Well, Greg, um, so fun to have you with us. Thank you for taking the time. Um, So just tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, where you live and what's keeping you busy? These yeah, days. super.
2: So uh, I am married to Allison. We've been married 14 years. We met in college. Um, I attended Indiana University, as one might guess uh, from my prior comment. We have four kids: nine, seven, four, and one. Uh, two boys, two girls. We live in Nashville, Tennessee, now, uh, where we've been for about eight years, and. Uh, We love it here. So I resonated, Todd, with your Stapleton pick. Uh, Tennessee Whiskey is a great (laughs) song. It
1: works well.
2: Yeah. It works well. And uh, we um, previously lived in Chicago and Boston and had had a great Mm. time earlier in our marriage, kind of pre-kids, living in those big cities. Is that where you
0: grew up? in those places? I
2: grew up in Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah okay. buddy. Okay. Yeah, not far from where Todd <laughs> is Bring in the sitting. Hoosier state, baby. Exactly. <laughs> Hoosier hospitality. Although we
1: met, we met at a, a generosity conference. It's been w- before the book launched.
2: That's right. It was the
1: launching of the book.
2: Yes, yeah, so I was. that was in uh, Colorado, I think, where we first met, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but yes, my folks still live in Indianapolis. Um, and yeah, professionally... Uh, I work in the healthcare field. Uh, was at a healthcare startup for a long time that got uh, acquired, and I am now um, investing in healthcare businesses as part of a private equity firm. Um, and then, uh, otherwise, spend a lot of time uh, in the area of biblical generosity. Uh, so very involved with generous giving. Um, where I serve on the board, which is a huge privilege. Uh, Just love getting to see the work that the team does to spread the message of biblical generosity. Um, And uh, love getting involved here in Nashville uh, as well uh, in in doing kingdom
1: work uh, whenever God opens the door to do so. So I think if people do know your name, uh, they'll probably know it from the book you wrote, which Uh, called God and Money, Um, and then if they don't know the book, they need to get to know it. It's primarily a story, at least in my experience, Of of when I tell people about it, I tell the story about these two Harvard MBAs meeting each other in the first day of the class. You want to tell us that story?
2: Yes. Uh, I do want to clarify that if people do know me, it's actually mostly because of my Michael Buble karaoke, but uh, uh, like, if you Google my name...
0: Hey, I'm going to make you sing.
2: Uh, you, you don't want that. I really am. Okay. You don't want that. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, the God and money book, um, one of the most fun projects that, that God has ever kind of set in my path. Uh, so um, I grew up in a you know, great Christian home, great Christian parents involved in church, um, came to faith at age 11 at church camp. Um, also loved business from a young age started my first business uh, in middle school uh, i convinced my ser- parents to get a second phone line this was back you know dial up internet era uh <laughs> convinced my parents to get a second phone line so that i could burn cds for my friends on napster nice um, didn't know it was illegal uh, <laughs> at the time i love it i've um, been been living a life of crime ever <laughs> yeah. since uh for some reason, as I grew up, these two parts of my life, my faith and my interest in business essentially never overlapped. It never occurred to me to think about how those two things overlapped. I don't really know why. And so as a result of that, um, I developed a really unhealthy love of money um, and what money signaled about my worth to others. Uh, And so, you know, fast forward to my early 20s um, working for a private equity firm in Boston, earning a high income for my age, and spending that money lavishly uh, largely as a way to signal my worth to my peers and It was yep. you know e- even as I was attending church every week and tithing you know because that 's sort of like what I learned to do as a kid but but that tithing you know there was no worship in that at all hmm. you know my my mindset was was totally off kilter, so it was with that mindset that I enrolled in graduate school, joined this men 's Bible study, six other guys. Um, and, and, and here we are like at, you know, um, a highly ranked MBA program, all of us interested in business, all of us also professing love of Jesus. And it sort of forced us to ask this question, how do these things relate? How ought my faith inform my view of business career and money? And so it was in that context that I had the chance to cross register into a class over at Harvard divinity school called God and money. It's a great course. Uh, My good friend John and I had the chance to write a paper on uh, how we would try to be wise stewards if we were ever blessed with more financial resources than we needed. We read the whole Bible front to back, everything it has to say about money, Mm -hmm. 2,350 verses. We did not need to catalog those Versus Howard Dayton had done so. He's, he's a titan that yeah, uh, really, in this space yeah. that you guys... And then
0: Alan Barnhart did it after that. Did a, yes. <laughs> That's right.
2: And uh, uh, we also surveyed 200 Harvard Business School alumni who were Christians. Wow. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. We had their contact details from the same like Bible study that we were part of that had existed over the years. Uh, we asked them really personal questions about how much they earn and their net worth and how much they give and where they give. And we used a combination of God's word and these survey results to write this paper. And God used that to totally transform our view of money and its purpose and why God calls us to give. And so it's been just a really fun journey, you know, since that time to get to seek to live that out. And I have to say, Todd, one of, if not the most important pieces of wisdom that we received in the writing of that book. Cause keep in mind, like this is a term paper that we're trying to turn into a book. The term paper was boring. Like we're nerds and we're <laughs> writing like a paper, you know, that's like not just, just compelling reading. You, you can't deny it. You gotta <laughs> yeah. own
1: it. Yeah. When you're a nerd, right. you gotta <laughs> be a nerd. That's right. That's right.
2: Yeah. You know, self-awareness is the first step to spiritual fulfillment. Right. So the, so yeah. um, Todd received an advanced copy of the paper slash book, you know, as it was becoming a book. And we were able to do a a Zoom with Todd to chat about it. And his feedback, the way I heard it was, don't teach me, sojourn with me, you know, be a sojourner, walk with me. And that blew our minds. Now, I was sort of mad because we had to go back and like rewrite it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah um but it was such an important word that i think todd the spirit spoke through you and so i just want to publicly thank you for that because that was
0: truly instrumental appreciate it yeah todd todd's like keep talking <laughs> well, keep talking from that <laughs>
1: I've, I've gotten to now be early reader on several manuscripts and i'm like i love this but that's a heavy lift yeah. and then not everybody loves feedback it like you guys do. So I had somebody else like, hey, yeah. can you give us feedback? I'm like, do you really want my feedback? And they're like, oh, we do. And I start <laughs> giving it. They it didn't want the feedback. So kudos for you for actually taking critical feedback because I'm like, hey, guys, we, we need to rethink some things. You know? Uh, anyway, it was a fun time for sure.
0: Well, I, I gave feedback on Todd's book, which is Navigating yeah. Life with More Than Enough. By the way, little plug. Great book. Here, I have that book. Um. And uh, if you look in the uh, in the acknowledgments, you'll get a little chuckle out of his acknowledgment it's of true. me. Um, I won't uh, go into it right now, but it's pretty funny. Uh, so, okay, but Greg, you and John, this is John Cortinez, our buddy that we're talking about. John works with the McClellan family in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the McClellan Foundation. Um, you guys <clears throat> made an interesting decision. Okay, tell me if I get this right. Um, in a sense, you and John were such good friends and you knew that you're committed to each other. But John said, okay, I'm going to forego a life of wealth and philanthropy, which he could very much have done. And I'm going to go work in ministry. And you kind of, uh, the yin and yang, you said, I'm going to go and I'm going to crush it in business and give away as much as I can. Is that right? It, that is right, J. Paul. I think the decision was less I-
2: intentional than that. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, an interesting part of John's story, and I have, I mean, I have mad respect for the guy, period, but especially in this. He was a petroleum engineer before graduate school and was going back to Chevron in a business role where he would be traveling internationally, building a great career and receiving very high compensation. And he had accepted that role prior to any of this call happening or us even like knowing about generous giving. Uh, and so he actually had to like renege on that role and take a 67% pay cut to enter the nonprofit space after graduating, um, which is just a tremendous step of faith. I, I just didn't feel that call into sure you know full-time yep. vocational ministry. I had interned at a healthcare startup in Nashville and it just seemed like that's where God was calling me back to. God used those two decisions and the relationship between those two decisions to, I think, provide interesting contrast as we have carried the message of God and money over the past eight years. Got it. To yeah. you know, teach John and me that God uses all vocations for his glory and his good um, but I think it also has provided an interesting dichotomy for others to evaluate and see that like along that spectrum, there's goodness, you know, all along it
1: vocationally. Greg, my favorite part of your story is uh, is the test, right? You go into this process, write this book, and you're like, hey, God loves sacrificial generosity. And then uh, part of your negotiation for your job after Harvard is you get, uh, tell us that story. Yes. So one of the uh, key takeaways
2: that we learned when researching the God and money book is um, this concept of financial finish lines. So caps on how much you'll spend in one year and how much you'll save in total, like for, like or in other words, accumulate net worth. To be clear, not saying that's a biblical command, like it's not, but we do think it's a best practice that one can implement that makes faithful stewardship easier to implement. Um, And so in the writing of the book, we had set financial finish lines for ourselves, how much we'd spend and how much we'd save. Uh, I then went and joined this startup in Nashville that I had interned with the summer prior. Upon returning to the job in a full-time capacity, just six weeks later, the business was acquired by a much larger healthcare company. And my compensation package included equity. So I received... About half a million dollars worth of equity payout six weeks into my new gig, um, which represented, you know, infinity times my net worth that was naked (laughs) at the time due to (laughs) student loans. Um, And what's amazing about that story is, you know, Todd, you used the word test. Um, I've come to believe that, like, when we read about tests in the Bible, those are not like stumbling blocks that God intentionally puts in our way to trip us up but rather they are opportunities to learn and grow and follow through on the commitments that God has led us to. Um, It's a chance to experience him more deeply. Um, And I'm so grateful that God had led us prior to me starting at the startup to make decisions about those finish lines because it made it so much easier to then allocate those funds across the categories of spending, saving and giving that I would not have done faithfully as my old self. Um, yeah. Now, not temptation free to be clear, and that same startup, you know, this is a longer story, but it was acquired a few more times by various investors over the years, each time generating larger payouts than the before. And so that has been both like an opportunity and a burden to carry. And I think we've made some good choices and some poor choices along
0: the way. So speaking of choices, let's talk about cars. So do you still drive grandma's car?
2: Man, I wish. This is a sensitive subject.
0: (laughs) Um, Okay.
2: Backstory backstory here. So when we were living in Boston, you know, we just, my wife and I shared one car that we didn't even like drive that much really, you know, urban environment. Moved to Nashville, we each need a car just to get around town. And I was looking at, you know, cool cars. Um, And I really wanted to buy an an Acura MDX. Um, And and even that, just like, there's like a stench of like faux humility about my mindset, even with that. Because I was like, it's not a Mercedes, you know. (laughs) It's like, I mean, (laughs) it's so... so stupid looking back. But even the, you know, I thought the Acura was like, not as bad as a Mercedes, you know, I mean, it's so arbitrary. But anyway, Allison was like, why would we spend that much on a car? Like, do, is that really the best decision? And, and that's not to say there's anything bad about having a nice car, but just where we were at, that's like, wasn't faithfulness for us at that time. So after I, you know, stopped pouting and agreed with Allison on that point, I remembered that my grandmother had a 2002 mercury grand marquee sitting in okay. her garage so
0: just pause for a second hashtag boss <laughs> okay <laughs> like i could picture greg putting on a pair of aviators hopping in that bad boy and just like thumping down the road it looks so... like a boat
1: baby that's right
0: it was
2: awesome yeah it did float like a boat todd you're right and this is so funny that it was my grandma's car. Cause it also had tinted windows. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was pretty fly. Um,
0: it was totally, uh,
2: so I drove that car. Um, by the way, funny story about that. You know, my, my grandmother, she couldn't drive anymore. Um, hence why I could take the car and, um, I went, you know, up to her house and sat with her for like several hours to catch up, you know, because I was like had just moved back from Boston. And we had a great conversation. You know, she was aware that I was taking the car. I drove the car, you know, away from her house that day. And then the next morning, she calls my dad in a tizzy and is like, someone stole my car. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
1: like, the the fact that you had to say she knew I took it. I'm like, uh oh, yeah. Uh, That's right. Yeah. so pretty funny. All right. The other thing I think that's fantastic about your story related to that is you made a commitment to not do this generosity journey alone. In fact, made this commitment to this board of directors for life. Is that the best phrase? You got it. How did that start? How did that
2: form? Why? Yeah. So I mentioned previously that um, in grad school, I was part of this men's Bible study with six other guys. And... Uh, part of the program um, at my grad school was you would meet with what they called a discussion group for an hour every day before class in theory to talk about the coursework for that day. But our Bible study, we were like, let's be our discussion group too. So we can meet every day. And, you know, maybe we talked about the coursework a little bit, but mostly we talked about, you know, faith and other fun things. Um, And coming up upon the end of the program, one of the guys got this idea in his head, uh, my good friend Paul, specifically, um, got this great idea that you know corporations have boards of directors, why not individuals? Uh, yeah. we were all going to be moving all over the place. you know we were living from l a to London, and we were not going to be able to be together in daily community anymore but you know, just like a board of directors for a corporation, they're not in the business all day, every day. They're coming in mm-hmm. quarterly and opining on high level strategy, overall governance. So what analogy might there be to living a faithful Christian walk? Um, as a son of God, as a father, as a husband, uh, as an employee and community member. And so we formed this group, which we call our Board of Directors for Life or badafel for short. Um, that is not intended to replace local community. Like all of us need to be in local church, have local accountability, local brothers and sisters that we're walking with. But we also have this higher level group that we can bring bigger issues to and get an Mm -hmm. objective third party perspective on uh, by people who know us and love us. Uh, And so um, that group has a mandate much broader than just financial transparency but one component is financial transparency. Um, and so one thing we do is we share our finances with each other every year, um, not out of some sort of like slap the wrist legalism, but rather sure. as an opportunity to celebrate God's provision and the opportunities that he's given us to pour back into his kingdom. And so most of the conversation is, I can't believe you spent this much. Uh, it, it, you know. And, and and frankly, like the fact that we know we're going to share our finances to some degree is an effective like ratchet on that. Um,
0: of course. Yeah.
2: Uh, it, it's more about like, let's celebrate how we, how God has blessed us, our families, how we've been able to bless our children and our spouse and how um, we've been able to bless God's kingdom through his money that he's allowed us to steward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now... Tell us a little how you and Allison approach your giving and how do you involve your kids?
2: Great. Yeah. So with respect to Allison and me, we've learned a lot by experimenting different ways of giving over the years. So one comment I'd love to make, and if like folks could take anything away from this, it would be, you know, just like Todd's advice to me with the book, be a sojourner. This Mm isn't, there's no like one perfect right way to give and we've learned so much by experimenting different ways of giving some have worked great some have not and i think that's all in god's plan you know and he's grown our heart through all of that um one important lesson that allison and i have learned is that at the end of the day it's important to have an answer for why god calls us to give in the first place uh certainly it's not because he needs our money um I think that he calls us to give for three main reasons. Uh, One is because he is the ultimate giver and us giving reflects his character back to him. Two is we're called towards sanctification. That is growth in Christ likeness and generosity is one of many different virtues that we ought to seek in sanctification. And then third is, For some reason, he has called us, you know, sinners to participate alongside him in building his kingdom here on earth. And generosity is one of many ways that we are able to do that. So when we give out of the mindset of those three reasons, I think that is the definition of joyful worship, Mm -hmm. and that is why God calls us to give is joyful worship. So I'm getting, I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. So where, what Allison and I have learned is what when it comes to giving. What joyful worship looks like is different for her versus me. Uh, okay. um, kind of yeah. like the love languages book,
0: which is fine. Which is fine, yeah.
2: right? Yeah, exactly. That's what we've learned. You know, I think, yep. like, I love my spreadsheets. Like, <laughs> like that is my love
1: language. Is like Excel. Yeah. Um, it's it's the sixth love language. It really is. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I personally think it's and, ice cream, but you can think in spreadsheets. That's okay.
2: You know, agree to disagree. Um, okay. And. uh, You know, by like the first week of January each year, I've like got my spreadsheet planned out, you know, for all the giving and I've got like all the automatic debits set up and blah, blah, blah. And like, guys, I'm telling you, like, I can worship God with that spreadsheet, you Mm -hmm. know? yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, But Allison cannot, right? Like she she is not worshiping her creator with my spreadsheet. Um, And so what we've learned is she's much more spontaneous, you know, sort of in the spirit. And so what we've done is we've allocated a pretty good chunk of our giving each year to what we call Allison's slush fund, um, which she can give whenever, wherever, for any reason, at any time. that's great. Love it. And what I've learned from that is, so like most importantly, she better worships through her slush fund. So that's like the main thing. Also, what I've learned is as nice as my spreadsheet is, It can cause me to walk right past opportunities that God has put right in the sidewalk next to me in my local community because I'm not thinking about giving because it's in my spreadsheet. Whereas like she is reacting to scenarios that God is opening right in front of her. Uh, And so that has pulled our whole family more intimately into God's work in our local community.
0: I don't want to distract you too much, but I do have a pivot table that you're going to be over the moon about. I can't wait to see it. (laughs)
2: I'm now distracted. That's <laughs> all I can think
0: about. I want to tease out some, some of the differences
1: because I love the, the perspective that I, I got spreadsheets of my wife's like spontaneity, right? Uh, I'm sure that's never caused a moment of disagreeance or fight. <laughs> but if right. perchance it had, would you have a story in that realm? Sure. I will say that, um,
2: I, you know, I'm so uh, grateful to be married to Allison for so many reasons. Uh, one of them, I get the sense after talking to, you know, Hundreds of couples in this space over the past eight years that we do actually disagree less than like the median couple on these things. I think. Um, that being said, where where we tend to disagree is when we're not aligned on the underlying why for a gift. Um, okay. And so I think uh, it has been important to us to have a framework that guides our giving. Um, The framework that we choose to use, and by the way, like there's definitely more than one good framework, but, um, you know, John and I studied all through scripture and tried to bucket any time God called the people to give to something. We tried to bucket them and we came up with three main buckets. One is serving the poor. Two is spreading the gospel. And three is building the church, aka discipleship. Um, and so we try to bucket our giving into those three broad pillars. Again, there's like, you know, there's other ones too. And so as long as Allison and I are aligned on the why it tends to be okay. Um, if we're not aligned on the why that's where we can get off kilter.
0: Okay. So, uh, Greg, you know, our audience are a group of truly amazing people all over the world who have committed their lives to raise money four causes all over the world. And uh, and as great as that is, this is my tribe in a sense, because my whole career is in fundraising. Um, we don't always do the best job <laughs> of making our approaches and doing our asks. And I point four fingers at myself. So you can change names and faces, but tell us about an approach that just didn't really go well. And then, you know, maybe tell us one where you and Allison kind of went away from it really feeling blessed, even if you didn't decide to give. Yeah, sure thing. I'll start by saying that I'm so grateful for the work that
2: this audience is doing because it's hard work. It's emotionally heavy work um, that I bet a lot of people don't realize that. And it's frontline work because in a
1: hundred percent, I am
2: I am assuming that most listeners are are in a Western cultural context where yes, that's true. You know, yep. I believe the biggest sin our generation commits is materialism and greed. Um, you know, I think our whole generation will get to heaven one day, and and God will be like, "Man, y'all did a lot of good stuff. Like a billion fewer people in poverty. <laughs> you know, major church planting movements all around the globe." but especially y'all in the West committed the sin of materialism every minute of every hour of every day of your whole life and you didn't realize it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think those doing fundraising are combating the chokehold that Satan has over our culture and that's hard work, yeah. man. So I just want to commend yeah. the folks doing that. Um, yeah. A story that did not go so well, it like still makes my skin crawl to this day, Uh, because so many faux pas happened at the same time. Uh, um, So there is an organization that we support um, that was hosting an event uh, where the purported purpose was to invite new people to plug into the ministry, Not, not to fund it. You know, there's like a smaller group of funders but we wanted more people to start attending the programming, get involved. So I leveraged my network and invited a bunch of community members in Nashville. Some close friends, but some people who I just thought would be interested in this. You know, so I was like expending social capital, as were right. most of the other like more core members. <clears throat> we get to the event, and turns out it actually has two purposes. One is to invite new people in, but the other is to raise a ton of money from the old timers who were kind of core Mm -hmm. members, which should not be at the same event. So like lesson one is like, what's the purpose of the event and and align the audience to the purpose. So that was super awkward Um, because then my friends were like getting hit up for money because it was just like a mass ask, even though it wasn't for them. Uh, Two was they hired this like super cheesy MC for the event. That was not actually part of the ministry. So he did a horrible job of explaining actually the purpose of the ministry. So even the new people who did come came away totally confused on what the organization even does. Um, so the messaging got off kilter. So that's lesson number two. Um, (laughs) and then lesson number three, we're here all day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, man. (laughs) Sorry. Um, so it, uh, it was a total miss at the event, right? Oh, like shoot. way too aggressive to the wrong audience without a clear explana- explanation of the why. Okay, so maybe all that's forgivable on the back end if forgiveness is sought. But the third thing is like no apology was forthcoming. Like no explanation oh. was provided.
0: Oh, shoot. Oh, and
2: so I felt like... I had expended significant like capital and had like gone out on a limb, mistakes were made, that's fine, mistakes happen, like then own up to them, right? And say like, you know, we got cross purposes here, not really what we intended, right? So that would be my example. On the flip side, um, I actually want to name this individual because I love him. Um, Andy Russell, who works with Compassion International he and I have been partners for years now where he has stewarded our work with compassion.
0: Um, Is he one of their major donor reps or is he okay? Yes. Andy is
2: one of their major donor reps. That's right. Um, And the best way that I can explain it is Andy loves Jesus, loves the children compassion serves and loves my family. And that, is very natural wow and so when he spends time with us there is a purity and a gentleness and an authenticity and it is all about jesus love being displayed to these kids for those who may not know compassion's primary mission is to combat child poverty basically and and many listeners may be familiar with the child sponsorships, which definitely like is a part of what they do, but there's way more that they do at more of like an institutional scale. And that, and that's sort of like the majority of my interactions with Andy. Um, Here's a quick story I have to share. Um, we were at a compassion event one time and uh, we were giving our testimony there and it, by coincidence, happened to fall on my wife's birthday.
0: <laughs>
2: um, my wife was very nervous they were going to make a big deal about her birthday while we were giving our testimony. We gave our testimony like at a morning session. Nothing happened. And so she was like, whew, like, got through that. Okay. <laughs> um, that evening, we're starting the evening session. And before it starts... Uh, the compassion MC was like, We're going to begin with a, a fun video. And they start to play a video of one of the child development centers that we had the fortune to launch in Honduras no holding a birthday party for my wife.
0: Oh, and so you that's have
2: cool. all these kids. Forget about it. There's like I'm an not. open <laughs> chair. <doing> <laughs> that there's like an open chair with a balloon in it to represent her. And they're all like singing to her.
0: Come on. And
2: then they made a painting and they had the painting oh. to present to Allison at the event. Oh my word.
1: Uh, awesome.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Andy planned <laughs> yeah, you, all that. And Andy Russell wins every award and yes. everything. Let's just say it now. That's right. That is fantastic. Um, and I think it just
2: shows like, Like that's Allison's love language, right? Is like thoughtful service, you know. And uh, it just shows like Andy loves those kids and he loves my family. Um, So it's been a delight to walk with him.
0: Thank you for sharing that.
1: Well, Greg, I think we kind of wrap things. But before we do that, I think we'd be remiss to not, even though we gave pseudo plug to Compassion, the real plug that for giving the the ad, so to speak, for the podcast uh, to a, a lesser known ministry, although we love all three of us love Compassion, uh, which, which uh, ministry do you want to sponsor for this podcast? And w- w- tell us a little bit about them.
2: First of all, I think it's so cool. Y'all do this. You know, it's, it's such like natural <laughs> generosity flowing out of you guys, uh, which is, and and it's like upside down kingdom stuff, right? This is a good example of upside down kingdom is like you sponsor the not for profit. So thank you guys for the creativity. Um, A ministry that I would love to plug is one local to the Nashville community that I'm very excited about right now. So um, a belief that uh, I have that I share with this organization, which is called corner to corner is that um, entrepreneurship is a major contributor to community flourishing Uh, and it turns out that the rates of entrepreneurship for minorities significantly lags uh, the rate of entrepreneurship in the caucasian community and so uh, corner to corner has uh, launched an initiative in nashville to launch 10,000 minority-owned businesses over the next 10 years, uh, which would Hmm. have a transformational impact on our community, on our neighborhoods. Hmm. And uh, by infusing um, a fantastic entrepreneurship program and ongoing mentorship program with the gospel, we can, I think, make a multi-generational impact on this city. Um, in a way that is fair and just, uh, in a a kingdom way. Will Acuff is the founder and leader of this organization and a spiritual hero of mine. And I'm really excited about what
0: God's doing with the organization. Okay, we're going to take a break from our interview with Greg. And I have got a very special guest here, Will Acuff. Did I pronounce that right? You did, Will
3: Acuff, that's right. Will
0: Aka. Will is the executive director of Corner to Corner, which, as you guys know, Greg is wanting to feature for this podcast episode. So, Will, thank you so much for taking some time with us.
3: No, glad to be here. And um, slight update, I am now the co-founder because we wanted to be community-led from top to bottom. And so we actually have a graduate of our program who is the executive director currently. Okay, and who is that? Uh, her name is Shayna Berkeley, and she is a very dynamic leader who has um, helped continue our kind of ambitious uh, impact goals. Beautiful. Yeah, I yeah. think we got it straight.
0: So, yeah, yeah. so Will, share with us just what's the vision of Corner to Corner, and, and what are you all doing to try and make that happen?
3: Yeah, so we are a faith-based nonprofit that exists in order to create um, bridges of opportunity, to create economic opportunities for our neighbors, right? Where they can flourish on their own terms. Um, and specifically, what that looks like is a couple creative and uh, proven programs okay. um, that uh, build these bridges where the neighbor is the driving force, right, for mm. their own growth. So, an example, um, our program, The Academy, equips underestimated entrepreneurs with the tools to plan, and start, and grow their own small business, right? Becoming that economic engine for their family and for their neighborhood. Um, and we are now the biggest producer of black entrepreneurs in the state of Tennessee. Wow. Um, and Great. that, yeah, that program will have a $26 million economic impact this year into the oh, neighborhood. Amazing.
0: How many businesses?
3: Um, so right now around hovering a little over 900, but after our okay. fall programming, we will cross the thousand mark. We are really? super excited. Yeah.
0: I love it. I love it. So what are, one or two examples of businesses that you, that you talk about?
3: Yeah. I mean, a great example, um, back in early 2016, we had a a guy come through the program who wanted to launch a restaurant. Right. Okay. Um, and he said, Hey, I want to have this restaurant. Here's what it's going to be like. We said, that's amazing. Do you have half a million of upfront capital to get that started? And he said, (laughs) no, And we said, well, neither do we. Right. Um, but one of our core values is start small so you can start now. Right. Right. Um, And so what he could do right then was catering. Hmm. And so he started learning how to build his business, figuring out which recipes work, doing his back office stuff, right? All the nitty gritty. Right. He did that month over month, year over year, 2016, all the way up to fall of 2019, when he launched his first brick and mortar, right? Huge Ooh, okay. deal. Yeah. And then we all know what happened next. COVID hit right yes um and 41% of black owned small businesses closed permanently Whoa. during covid right yeah. like massive hit um and i got a call from from this gentleman his name is marcus in the uh, spring of that year spring of 2020 um and it was one of those phone calls where you know your heart just drops cuz you think right. oh this is going to be that news you know um he couldn't make it right and instead he was calling to say, hey, what I learned in the program about how to pivot, right? And what I learned from doing catering has made me excellent at takeout. We are killing it. Mm. He's like, we're like, we're doing Uber I Eats orders all day long. Um, and he was calling because he wanted to donate the cost. You're kidding five, me. No, to get five more entrepreneurs in the program. Yeah. That is beautiful, Will. Oh, I love yeah. that.
0: Yeah, so it is. It is great. a
3: big community effort, um, you know, because we're we're faith based, um, which means that we're compelled by the love of Christ to love right. our neighbor, right, as Amen. we love yeah. ourselves, and also see our neighbors as full image bearers, right, mm-hmm. which means they already have passion, creativity, and drive. Mm-hmm. We don't have to give them those things as a nonprofit, right? God already did that work, yep. right we have the far easier work of just figuring out these bridges to opportunity so they can express what God has already done. Right. Um, and so that's kind of how we approach it. And um, the, the second story I would add is uh, one of our graduates, um, Adrian Bowling, um, she launched uh, the Uber of notary services, right? Because okay. if you've yeah. ever needed a notary, that's they a work niche. like, <laughs> right? yeah, it's like, hey, you work every three weeks for 17 minutes. You know, like that's my experience that. going going to the bank for a notary. And yeah. she said, well, I can solve that. I can show up where you are. And before meeting us, she did $35,000, right? On her own. Okay. Um, and then she was stuck though because she had no business training, didn't know how to grow a business. She came through our 10-week program And in the next 12 months did over 85,000, right? And now she's clearing over 200. Um, And when I asked her, like, what does that actually mean for you, right? Uh She said, well, for me, taking care of my kids, every bill has my name on it, right? right? And not only have I not missed a single bill, but Mm -hmm. I got my kids into a new house and I got them into a better school district. Right. Right. And so for her, she's building a pathway towards long-term wealth generation, Uh, but it's all through her own passion, creativity, and drive. Um, And so we get to put wind in her sails. Yeah.
0: Now, Will, how does it work? Do you guys, uh, are do you act as investors where you actually take a small equity in these businesses or how does, how does it all happen? What's the business model?
3: Yeah, no, great question. Um, so the Academy has kind of two phases. The first is that 10 weeks in the classroom where we're going through a nationally recognized curriculum that we licensed. Um, but we're also bringing in guest speakers every week because your network directly influences your net worth. Right. right? So it's important that, you know, a lawyer and a professional marketer and a bookkeeper. Yeah. Right. Um, So we're doing that kind of tactical work. And that is all I should say, led by graduates themselves. Oh, good. Um, So it's community led and then it's community located. So we are in local rec centers, family resource centers, historic neighborhood churches. Right. Where this is happening. And then phase two um, is our alumni support services. Right. Because anyone who's ever launched a business. Knows that you think you know what your business is going to need, mm-hmm. and then you start doing it, and you go, "Wait a minute! Here's my first roadblock. Right? Yep. How do I overcome this?" And so, our alumni services offer things like one-on-one mentoring, mm-hmm. where you've got a really dialed-in smart goal, and you have somebody walking with you to achieve that, all the way up to one-on-one um, pro bono legal services for a whole mm-hmm. year. Some of the top firms here in Nashville. Um, that's marketing training, bookkeeping training, all of those things. Yeah. Um, and we are not getting a piece of their business um, at this point in the model, but uh, we are launching our first ever capital stack right now. Okay. And we um, just got chosen by Belmont University here yep. in Nashville. Uh-huh. Um, they have a new social innovation lab that brings researchers, data scientists, and um, folks in the nonprofit sector like us together yep. to solve a complicated problem. And what we're going to try to work on is this, the reality is, right, this is the Federal Reserve says this, that the average black family has 10 cents for every dollar that the average white family has. Wow. That's the average economic gap. Right. Yeah. And we know that as Christ followers, that's not um, anything to do with talent. That's opportunity. Right. right? Yeah. Um, and so <clears throat> but what that means on the funding side. Right. And let's say you launch a business and you're in the neighborhood. Um, you don't have that first $500 or $1,000 to buy that piece of machinery because every dollar already has a job, right? Um, And and if you've ever been in that space, you know you can't spend that money. That's electric bill money, right? Um, And so we launched a pilot program to start this process where we'll give you a 1% interest loan Uh so you learn the cost of money and how that business side works, Um, but you can have a really clear target what you're going to do with that money, and then we pair you with a mentor. To help you manage your growth, beautiful. Now,
0: I know you have things. If somebody's listening to this and and is going, mm-hmm. man, I'd love to be involved. I'd love to. Well, could I'm, be financial. It could be otherwise. Maybe they have, uh, you know, the ability to be a mentor, or or they want to participate. They have a business idea. So tell us a little bit how people can get involved. Yeah, thank you. Um, so first,
3: email me. I'd love to hear. from Sure.
0: You. Okay. Um, it's just I'll put we'll, your email in the yeah. show notes. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Will at corner to corner.org. Um, or look us up on Instagram. We're very active on Instagram. That's just corner to corner. Um, and then our website is corner to corner.org. Um, you can connect with us on all three of those, um, really easily.
0: Yeah. And then, um, you have a campaign right now. Tell us about that. If someone gets inspired to, to give, how do they participate in that?
3: Yeah. So it's a big, ambitious campaign, right? Okay. So I love we, it. I love uh, it. Yeah. I'm, I'm always a big fan of like, if you can do it on your own, it's not a God-sized dream, right? Okay. Um, yeah. And so we've got a God-sized dream, which is there's room in our city for 10,000 Black-owned small businesses, right? We want to launch those in the next 10 years. Okay. That would yield $250 million annually back to the neighborhood economy right? We're oh, talking right. life-changing transformation for thousands and thousands of families. And we believe Christians should be at the forefront of okay. this kind of creative kingdom work, right? Right. Well, to do that, we build out the scaling model. Actually, Greg is on our scaling committee. Of course. Um, and he yeah. put together a very fancy Harvard spreadsheet, right? That I can barely <laughs> understand. Right? He did tell me um, that he
0: loves a good spreadsheet.
3: That's Oh right. my gosh. Like, this <laughs> thing has references upon references. Like I, I need, I need a map, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that's interesting about it is it points out that we're going to need a hundred million dollars, right, okay. to launch this. Yeah. But it's a hundred million to produce two hundred fifty million, right. right? And then Highly after that investment, yeah, and then after that investment, it's just a couple million per year to keep that two hundred fifty million annual output, right? Beautiful. So we're building a perpetual money machine yep. for our neighbors to thrive.
0: Huge amount of scale. Mm-hmm. I love it. One hundred percent. That is great. Well, we will be sure to point people to it, uh, to all the links and email stuff that you gave us. Will, thank you again. Thank you so much for the work that you and your team are doing, uh, for your leadership. And we, we hold in our hearts and minds, all of these people that are, Mm -hmm. are working to start these businesses and, and on this incredible foundation of the message of Christ. I just love it.
3: Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jay Paul, for having me. You bet. And now
0: back to our interview with Greg, where I also asked him to share a couple of businesses in the corner to corner effort that he's excited about.
2: Yeah. Two come to mind. Uh, one is called Black Business Boom, uh, which is an ex- uh, it, basically it started as like a support program for like other black owned businesses. And now they do a lot of like back office, like outsourcing for black owned businesses to enable them to scale more rapidly and capital efficiently. Um, and, uh, another one is Nashville black market, uh, which is a both online and brick and mortar marketplace for other black owned businesses to, um, you know, ply their wares and services. Um, the reason I pick those two businesses is twofold. Number one, they've each grown to over one million in mm. annual revenue, which is like a tremendous achievement and you know one indicator of sustainability. The other, and this is so cool, both of those businesses are predicated on helping yeah. other businesses, uh, and so to me, that really shows the like goodness begets goodness yeah.
0: element of this Well Gregory bomber, it is been so fun to have you with us thank you for talking with us today and uh just spending some time man you guys rock grateful for what you're doing thanks for having me absolutely all right well todd that was a fun one with greg bomber
1: yeah super fun several pieces of that were great i I think my 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 two standouts were when we get a test it's an opportunity to learn and grow not trip us up not really related to the generosity piece but that was right "Mm, that's good I love that one.
0: Yeah, because I, I mean, I sort of grew up that way. Like, OK, looking ar- yeah. looking over my shoulder or around the corner going, OK, what's God going to do here to make me yeah. make me sin? You know, I grew up a good Nazarene. <laughs> it's confession
1: so. time. Um, I loved that one. And then I, yeah. I loved his story because he's like, hey, I'm expending social capital, which I think is the other piece in fundraising we often forget about. Um, it's all about the dollars, which fine, but the the connecting people to get those dollars, you got to put yourself socially out there to get those dollars in, and that part is less talked about than the brass tacks getting the
0: dollars. Do you know that? I think that sticks with me, and as a fun as somebody who has spent my life talking to people yeah. like Greg to encourage and inspire them to expend social capital. My heart sinks when I hear that story, because you listen, Greg was really clear. He was like, okay, the event was kind of a disaster, but he, he said it one or two or three times, Hey, mistakes happen. Yeah, totally. Mistakes happen, but own up to it. Just come and talk to me because I expended social capital and that's not nothing like you know i kind of sometimes i look at that and i go that's as much a major gift to the organization as if he had shelled out 100k so really really big big point there and I, i i think this what i would say todd is i when somebody connects me or when i connect somebody let me speak to the first one when somebody, when I connect somebody, I love to hear back from them how that connection went. And when they connect me, I always try to make it a point to get back to them and say, hey, you know, Greg, thank you so much for connecting right. me to Todd. Great conversation. I think some good things are gonna happen. And you you really catalyzed that. Yeah. Thank you for that. That is so important. Yeah, I
1: important. totally agree. Um, which again, that was lacking in that in that story. Um, the other thing I love, and I don't have a yep. clear thing to point to, but I love um, Greg's articulate, kind nature. Of hey, there's more, there's more paradigms. Hey, we we have a paradigm. This is ours. It's given it to the poor. Given to gospel. Build the church. There's other. Yes. Of you know. Hey, well, there's this, and and yeah, generosity right. is an important thing. It's not all of them. Yeah, you know, I, I love the fact that he has yep. his frameworks. He has a spreadsheets. He thinks through stuffs clearly in that logical spreadsheet format. And some of those times, those people that are um, thinking that way think everyone should be that way. And he's like, "Hey, this is one. This That's is mine. Right. This is it." A winsomeness about him to just enter into that, which is is totally Greg, but yeah, very fun. That's right. Yeah,
0: a winsomeness yes. and a humility. And by the way, we we probably already said it. Go oh, grab absolutely this book god and money god and is money, yes. god and money? Uh,
1: they have a second one as well god that is money. also it very is so good. good god and money is by far my favorite
0: yeah we'll put links we'll put links in there as well as link to corner to corner and hey so todd have you seen the car have you yes. seen the Yes. well it's actually in
1: uh for those who want to see it and have been to a jog recently uh journey generosity greg and allison's story is in there where you get to see the car yeah, it
0: is. Yeah, I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes because yeah. it is so fun, and and probably the best part of that is you get to meet Allison. She is she's fantastic. an amazing woman, and absolutely, Todd. Um, once again, that was a good just one. a blast to do this with you. And hey, get this: I am in the midst of schedule. Well, let me correct that. <laughs> Lizzie is in the midst. Of scheduling. Thank you, Lizzie. Our first talking Ooh. shop episode with an industry expert who Wonderful. I think is amazing. So stay tuned. Uh, we love we'll have doing to interviews. Leave her with name our out right now for, That's right. for
1: we'll, we'll
0: leave it coming. We'll leave her name yeah. out right now. That's right. As you say, until we get it scheduled, <laughs> don't count our chickens before it happens. We've been That's trying right. to schedule
1: one guy for I don't know how long, and he got back. He's like this date, I'm like oh, we just closed. oh. Anyway, so yeah, it's
0: we'll get it. No, but the guy who in the last episode you said, oh, I saw his name in my email, yeah. and it made me so happy. He on is on the books, scheduled. baby.
1: It's coming. It's he is coming on the books.
0: Todd, good fun to see man. you, buddy. See you Catch everybody you later. Bye, everybody. Breakthrough Podcast is produced by myself, J. Paul Freidenmaker. Thanks to Todd DeKreiter for co-hosting with me, and special thanks to Greg Bommer for joining us today. We are grateful to dedicate this episode to corner to corner. Check out the links in the show notes, including where to find the books that Greg and his friend John Cortinez wrote on God, money, and true riches. Finally, A big thank you to Lizzie Morales for her assistance on booking guests and coordinating schedules. May you all break through to radical generosity in your efforts to invite people to join your cause.